How may I, in all humble servitude, be of assistance? Now, we do not want your help. Is that clear? We don't want your help. You're mocking me, aren't you? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about home improvement. Not the TV show, but the actual act of improving your home. I know that's probably an old reference. Do you remember Home Improvement, the TV show with Tim Allen? Yeah, it was a thing. I know, I'm showing my age. But we're talking about improving your home. What stories do you have about home improvement? Well, you know, every home improvement project is a story. Because one of the things that I've discovered in my life is that no matter how easy the project is, there's always complications. Any project you look at that you say, well, that's only going to take an hour or two, is going to take you half a day to the entire weekend, somewhere in that range. It just works out that way. And conversely... Every project that you think is going to take you all day wraps up at about two hours. I don't know why that is. It just seems to work out that way. But the topic today is inspired by my current home improvement project and very well may be my last home improvement project because I'd forgotten how just grueling they are. And I mean, not grueling in the way of a 16-mile hike. It's just the drip, drip, drip of aggravating little things and tedious little activities and climbing a step stool and climbing down a step stool 112 times a day. And it would be one thing if that was my job. You know, if that was my job, I'd be fine with it. I have to do that. That's part of the job. But to choose to do a project where you're spending your free time doing that? Yeah, years ago it was okay. Nowadays? Oh no, I have other things that I want to spend my time on. But I'm recording today's project from the auxiliary control room, also known as the spare bedroom, also known as the podcast studio. Yeah, it's a room that serves a lot of purposes. And I've been talking about changing it for years because its use as a bedroom has really tapered off in recent years. So it's really become the podcast studio slash the auxiliary control room for the Twitch stream. And so for literally two years, I've been talking about converting this bedroom into a more functional office slash studio type place. Now, I know to make a really good sound studio, I need to soundproof the walls, put double pane glass in, reduce the sound. I'm not making it into a sound studio. And you may notice the sound is a little different because I've taken things down that I use to absorb sound. Everything is kind of out of place because I spent yesterday with Mrs. GamerDude priming the walls for a coat of paint. So everything's out of place, so the sound may be a little off this week. I'm going to try to fix it, make it sound normal. But this episode is inspired by the tediousness of this project. And as I was standing there painting walls yesterday, putting on primer, I remembered so many of the projects that I used to do. And one of the reasons that I moved into a condo is so I wouldn't really have to do those projects anymore, unless I really, really wanted to. And I've decided, based on yesterday, I really, really don't want to paint anymore. I mean, I can do it. It's going to look really nice. I just don't like to do it. But before I get into why I don't like painting, like there has to be a reason, I want to go back to my childhood because that's where story time always starts. The stories when I was a kid, when I was a young adult. Well, I shouldn't say always, but that's where I try to take things back to, to try to give you a view of the way things used to be. Now, when I was a kid, I don't remember my dad doing a lot of projects, although I know he must have done projects because the house always worked. Things always worked in the house. I'm sure pipes burst somewhere along the way. I know he was handy. He made my sister a dollhouse when she was a kid. He put up the teeter-totter I've talked about in previous episodes. 
He put together the fort that my grandmother got us for Christmas one year. He built a rocking horse. He was a handy guy. He had a whole workshop. I mean, he knew what to do. He knew how to do things. And he didn't really ask for help from us kids, probably because he knew we were going to be next to useless. But the help we did give him, I guess it was all pre-project stuff. Sorting screws, sorting tools, so that when he needed a tool or whatever, he could find it. And I mean, we helped with outdoor projects, raking the leaves, mowing the lawn. One of my jobs was cleaning the gutters. Oh, that's a fun one. You ever climb on a roof and have to hang over the edge cleaning the leaves out of gutters? I mean, as a kid, I thought it was cool. I could go up on the roof. But years later, when I had to go up there as an adult, I understood why my dad sent me up there as a kid. Oh, it's not a pleasant project. But when you're a kid, you don't think about the home improvement projects. You don't think about how to patch a screen door. You don't think about how to fix a leak in a pipe. You don't think about how to replace a faucet on a sink. You don't think about getting a stain out of a carpet. You don't think about changing a light switch or putting in a new wall socket. You don't think about installing a ceiling fan. When you're a kid, this stuff just happens. You don't know anything about it. It just happens. And I know my dad did all of this stuff because we had switches fail when I was a kid. We had light sockets die. We had wall sockets die. We had screen doors get holes in them, and somehow, magically, they got patched. Those were dad jobs. We did the kid jobs that were pretty easy. Now, we did have a couple of major projects when I was a kid, and I guess that's where, in the back of my mind, I learned there are some projects you just don't do yourself because you don't have the skill set. My parents installed a giant exhaust fan in the attic of the house. Now, that exhaust fan had to have been at least four foot by four foot square maybe five foot by five foot i mean to me it looked as big as an airplane propeller even as an adult when i saw that fan it was a huge fan and the purpose of it was to vent the house to cool the house off but in order to do that you had to cut an opening in the attic put a screen there and a vent so that the fan could blow out and that was something that was beyond my dad's either desire to do or ability to do probably a little of both And I say that because I've learned how to do projects. As an adult living in various places, I've learned how to do projects like sheetrocking a wall, tearing out a ceiling and re-sheetrocking it, spackling, painting, construction. I've learned how to do a lot of that stuff. I'm not particularly good at it, but I've learned how to do it. And I've learned what my limits are. So I'm sure my dad learned what his limits and desires were back when he decided to hire somebody to install an attic fan. It's a major renovation project, and my dad didn't want to undertake it. And you know, that's a tip that I give to you. Understand what the project entails, know your limitations, and then don't be afraid to hire somebody to do the job for you if you don't think you can do it. By the same token, there are jobs that you can do, which I'll get to in a little bit. You don't necessarily have to hire an electrician to replace a wall socket if you know what you're doing, but we'll get to that. But my dad hired a contractor to put this attic fan in to cool the house off. We had an old ranch house built 60 years ago, 70 years ago, whatever it was. Didn't have central air. Nothing had central air built that long ago. Central air was not a thing when I was a kid. I mean, buildings had air conditioning, but a lot of air conditioning when I was growing up was the window air conditioners. You see them in houses and apartments all of the time. You just put it in the window. You lose a window, but you gain cold air during the summer. Well, our house got hot. The sun would bake down on that roof, heat it up. There was no ventilation in the house, not really. I mean, you could open windows. You could put window fans in. But the purpose of the attic fan was to create a breeze through the house. And with a fan that big, with the airplane propeller mounted in the attic, you generated a lot of breeze. 
So I guess my dad had researched it and figured out the size of fan you needed, and they built a big hole in the attic, mounted the fan up there, put screens and vents, and then there was a big switch they put in just outside the kitchen door, and you would turn the switch on, and you'd hear the fan start up. It wasn't quite like a jet engine, but you could hear the low rumble as the fan started up. Yeah, it was a fan so big it had a fan belt, a literal fan belt. There was a motor that would turn, and the fan belt connected the motor to the axle of the fan that would turn the blades, and that's how you generated the breeze in the attic. And what would happen is you'd have to open the attic door so that as the breeze that sucked the hot air out of the attic was doing just that, it would also suck air out of the first floor and also out of the basement. So you would basically just create this giant breeze that started in the basement, wended its way through the first floor of the house and all the way up to the attic. So the house was not air conditioner cool, but cool enough. So that was one of the main projects my dad did when I was a kid. Didn't require any input from him. He hired a contractor for it. Didn't require any input from us. We were little kids. We didn't care. Oh, look, they're putting a hole in the attic. That was the extent of our involvement. The other project my dad hired people for was putting an addition on the house. The house that I grew up in was a four-bedroom ranch. But like I said, it was built 60, 70 years ago, whatever it was. And a four-bedroom house in that kind of a ranch house had four bedrooms that were maybe 10 by 10, 10 by 12. Nowadays, new houses, new construction has bedrooms that are the size of the living room in the house that I grew up in. I mean, you've got bedrooms now that are 12 by 15, 14 by 14, walk-in closets, and this is a kid's bedroom. And I think that's because we spend so much time in our bedrooms now. When I was a kid, your bedroom was for sleeping. You might have a desk there to do your homework, so you had a little desk, a little bed, and that was it. Nowadays, you need so much room for all your crap. We have so much stuff. We live so much of our lives in our rooms. So the house that I grew up in, four bedrooms, a living room, a dining area, a kitchen, and kind of a nook area in the kitchen for a kitchen table. Now that was supposed to be enough room for my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, and me. Five people. When you have three little kids, all under the age of six, that's plenty of room. But as those kids grow, my parents discovered you need a little more room. And so my dad, after doing his due diligence, doing all of his research, found a contractor and commissioned the addition of a family room. Again, that's a project that was beyond his ability to do. You had to dig a foundation. You had to put the foundation in. You had to frame it. You had to build it. That's a project that one guy most likely isn't going to do. So he hired a contractor and they built a family room. The family room was built off of the dining area, which was at the end of the house where the kitchen was. They actually took out a window, built a door there, and built a family room there. And it's funny how we think of things. When I was a kid living in the house, we always called it the new room. It was supposed to be a family room, and in later years, we called it the family room. But when I was growing up, you know, we were the kids. We lived in the house for all of our lives, or at least all of the lives that we remembered. And this family room was really a new room, so we called it the new room for literally decades. 20 years after the room had been built, it was still the new room. My mother would say, oh, go put that in the new room, please. She did it too. We all called it the new room. But anyway, it was a great idea because the new room gave us plenty of room for the family to spread out just enough so we wouldn't be bothering each other all the live long day. Some of us could be watching TV in the new room. Some of us could watch the kitchen TV. Some of us could be in our bedrooms. Some of us could be outside. There was plenty of room for everybody once the new room was built. It was just enough room. But that was another project that my dad didn't want to do. And I totally get that. Some projects are just too much work, involve too much time, or are just beyond your ability. 
I learned this when I was out on my own. Now, I've lived in various places over the years. I've lived in apartments. I've lived in houses. I've lived in rentals. I've lived in houses that I've owned. And every place that you live has its own set of issues and presents its own set of problems. Now, if you're renting a place, you can often have those problems solved by turning them over to the landlord. But I've also learned that landlords are not always responsive. And that's when you have to learn to do projects yourself, especially if you don't want to hire somebody to come in and do it. The hiring of somebody can get expensive. And when you don't have a lot of money, which is basically all of us, you learn to do things. For instance, if a light switch fails in your house, what do you do? Well, you could call an electrician. The electrician might charge you $90 an hour just to make a house call. He might have a flat rate just to make a house call. And then let's say he says, oh, you need to replace your light switch. So he's going to charge you $35 more for the labor to replace a light switch, which is all well and good. That's fine. That's how an electrician makes his money. But, you know, if it's $95 for a house call and $35 to switch a light switch out, you're talking $130 so you can turn the lights on. Or you can go to Home Depot. You can go to Lowe's. You can go to the electrical section. You can see they have a light switch for $4.95. So then you have to make the decision, gee, $4.95, do I want to take the time to learn how to install this $5 light switch? Or do I want to spend $130 to pay somebody to do it for me? When the difference between doing the project yourself and having somebody do it for you is a week's worth of groceries, you learn to do it yourself. And that's what I found myself doing when I was a young adult. Because I didn't have an extra $125 loafing around. I couldn't afford to have a guy come out to the house to switch a light switch out. I would have if I had to. But what I did is I researched how to do this stuff. How do you change a light switch? Nowadays, it's much easier. You can go on YouTube and find an instructional video on just about anything. You can also find a guide on any number of websites on how to switch out a light switch. When I was younger, there was no internet. There was no YouTube, but there were guides. I have half a dozen books on my bookshelves to this day on home improvement. I don't really need them anymore because of the internet, but those are the books that I used. I remember a Time Life book on electricity, on plumbing, on painting. There was a Reader's Digest home improvement guide. There was a Better Homes and Gardens home improvement guide. I had them all. I didn't buy them brand new. We would collect them from yard sales or in auction boxes. But I had all those guides. And what I did, the first time I needed to switch out a light switch, I looked up how to do it. And I read everything. I read the hazards of doing it wrong. And believe me, if I thought that I was going to screw it up, because if you rewire something incorrectly, you could short out the electrical box, you could start an electrical fire, you don't want any of that. But they walk you through it in these early guides so that you know exactly what you're doing, exactly how to do it, exactly what to look for. And as you know, as a rule reader... As the guy who read every instruction book for every product that I've ever bought, I read all the rules on how to install a light switch. And I felt confident that I could do it. And so armed with my electrical tape and my wire nuts, I learned how to change a light switch. And it's pretty straightforward. Five bucks for a light switch made a lot more sense to me when it was something as straightforward as that little project is. Now, if I had to install the entire electrical panel in the house... That's something that I'd pay the electrician for because that's where every line in the house is wired into the circuit breaker. Yeah, that's not something I feel comfortable doing. I don't have any training in that. I don't know what to look for. I could learn it, but there's an entire educational process on how to become an electrician. So in addition to knowing what you can do, you also have to know what you can't do and what you shouldn't do. But I learned that I could do light switches. 
I learned that I could do the wall sockets where you plug things in. Those are pretty straightforward too. Pro tip, always remember to turn off the correct circuit breaker in your electrical box before you do any electrical work. I'm saying that as your warning now. I never made that mistake because I am conscious of the risks, including the risk of electrocuting myself. I'd rather not go that way. Oh, how did he die? Well, he was switching out a light switch. Ah, poor guy. Yeah, I'd rather not have that as my obituary. He thought I could do the light switch. But my point is, and I'm not trying to scare you off, my point is there are things you can do. A wall switch, a light socket, a ceiling fan. I can replace a ceiling fan. I can install a ceiling fan if the electrical box is there. You need a ceiling-mounted electrical box to attach a ceiling fan to. And I've moved into houses that have the boxes in place, just nobody bothered to put the ceiling fan in. So I learned how to do that. Why? Well, I like ceiling fans. I know some people think they're tacky. Some people don't like them. I happen to love ceiling fans. I like the different styles. I like the lights. I like the fact that you can have a nice cool breeze in your room without having to have a big fan blowing on you. I like ceiling fans. So I learned how to install them. And that's a project, believe it or not, once you've done it, you can probably do a ceiling fan in about two hours. With the caveat in mind that I said at the beginning of the episode, every two-hour job you think is going to take two hours is probably going to take four or five. But if everything goes right, you can probably do a ceiling fan in about two hours. But that's something that I learned by doing it. The same is true with plumbing projects. There are certain plumbing projects that I feel comfortable doing. Again, thanks to my Time Life books, my Reader's Digest manual, I learned how to do things like switch out a faucet, put in a new shower head, put in a soap dispenser in the kitchen sink. They're all things that are doable. Now, plumbing is a little more complicated for me because there are a lot more variables in my mind doing a sink than there is doing a light switch. But again, it's all doable if you have a mind to learn it. And same thing with plumbing. You know, a new faucet, if you go to Home Depot, if you just go with a basic faucet, you can probably get one for 50 bucks. Or you can pay your plumber $100 for a house call and probably another 50 to $100 to install a faucet. So if you have an extra 150 bucks, then you hire the plumber to do it. If you don't, you go buy the $50 special at Home Depot and learn how to do it yourself. I mentioned sheetrocking. I moved into a house at one point where the walls had to be re-sheetrocked. The place had an old grandma-style tongue-and-groove tile ceiling. That had to be replaced because it was stained and icky-looking. That had to be sheetrocked. Once you took the tiles down, there was nothing up there. So I learned how to sheetrock a ceiling. It's not a fun job, but it was a satisfying job to complete. Because once you're done, you look around in this room that you've just sheetrocked and painted. And you kind of nod to yourself and you go, yeah, I did that. Now, that's not a job that I would do again, and I have such respect and such admiration for people who do that on a regular basis, or for the people who make that their career. That's hard-ass work, man. Doing construction like that, that is hard work. So you have my respect if that's what you do, and if that's what you enjoy as a hobby, more power to you, man. That's hard work, and I really admire the fact that you get that stuff done. But I learned to do it out of necessity. I didn't want to spend the money. I didn't have the money. So if I wanted a new ceiling, if I wanted new sheetrock, I had to do it myself. And of course, I learned how to paint after I sheetrocked the walls, after I sheetrocked the ceiling. You got to paint it. And I learned how to paint. And I learned the secrets of painting. That's another job I learned how to do, and I can do it. And as with construction, I admire the crap out of people who do that as a living. Because painting is not only hard work, but really, really tedious. The little fine detail that you have to focus on making sure you don't get the wall paint on the ceiling as you're painting it, 
I mean, I've known people paint the ceilings the same color as the walls so they don't have to worry about it, but that makes the room seem smaller. Yes, that's another thing I've learned. If you don't paint the ceiling white, if you paint the whole room, including the ceiling the same color, the room feels a whole lot smaller. So I learned to paint the ceiling, learned to paint the walls, learned to paint the baseboard, learned to paint the trim, learned how to mask. Yes, masking tape is masking tape for a reason. It masks the areas that you don't want to paint. Oh yeah, that's what masking tape is. It's designed for painting. And it's supposed to be quick release so that when you pull it off, you don't pull any paint with it. But yeah, I learned all of those things. I learned about little edging tools, little sponges that you use, why you use an angled brush, how to paint trim, how to mask windows. There's lots of little things that you have to learn to do to paint a room and make it look nice. And when I was doing this on a regular basis years ago, you know, I did it. It had to be done. I learned how to do it and I just did it. And it's something you can learn to do too. Now, some people who do this really take a liking to it. All of a sudden, they want to become home renovators, which you can do. Nothing wrong with that. What I've discovered, not my thing. I can do it. It's just not one of my favorite things to do. Quite honestly, I'd rather go outside and plant a garden. I'd rather go outside, lay mulch around, do a little landscaping. And then I'd like to sit on my deck and read a book. But that's just me. But bringing this to where I am today, I'm sitting in a room right now that's half painted. When I first looked at the room that I'm sitting in now, based on my past experience, I said, well, it'll probably take all day to get this done. Put on the coat of primer, let it dry, put on the first coat of the color, and if we need a second coat, we can probably get it done. Because Mrs. Gamerdude wanted to help too. She's actually never painted a room, so I said, oh yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll show you how to do it between the two of us, we'll knock it out in a day. But as I started masking the baseboard and the trim around the closet door and the trim around the windows, and as I started painting, I started counting in my head how long it's been since I've actually painted a room. And it's got to be 12 years, at least 12 years. I had to repaint a bedroom before we sold my parents' house after they passed, and I knocked it out in a day. I was able to do it in a day. And it looked nice. It was a nice looking room. But 12 years later, as I'm having to climb up and down the step stool, as I'm crawling around on the floor masking baseboard, as I'm using the roller on the walls, I've realized I've gotten old enough to know I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, it's getting done. But man, it is so not fun. Not anymore. I mean, even 12 years ago, it wasn't fun, but I felt a sense of accomplishment. All right, I got this room done. We're good to go. Today, I'm sitting here and I know it's going to look nice. But as I look around, I say to myself, you know, I could have left it the way it was. I didn't really have to repaint. I mean, I'm glad I'm doing it. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad I'm doing it. The previous owners of this place had kids here. And I can see now the little marks they put in the walls, the little tape marks, the little stains they left. So a fresh coat of paint is going to look really nice when the time comes somewhere down the road where we decide to move out. But as I look around, and as I sit here, feeling my muscles go, what were you thinking yesterday? I realize this may be the last room that I ever paint. And I told Mrs. Gamerdude, you know, when we retire, and when we move to a new place, it's going to be move-in ready. Because I do not want to do this again. As you get older, you decide, I want to be sitting on my porch telling people to get off my lawn. That's the future I envision. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with home improvement. I've done home improvement projects all of my life, and I did enjoy them in my younger years. As I get older, I've decided, "Mm, no, this isn't for me anymore. 
I don't want to be painting walls anymore. I don't want to be painting ceilings anymore. I don't want to do trim around windows. If I'm going to paint, I want to be like Bob Ross and put a canvas on an easel. I would just as soon paint happy little trees around a lake. That would be fun painting. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, thank you for your continued support. I love doing the podcast, and I really do appreciate that so many of you keep listening. It means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.